welcome to Australian Women Preach, a podcast that aims to raise women's voices in preaching the gospel. Our intention is to model the church we want to be, inclusive, diverse and welcoming. Brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church and The Grail in Australia. Alexandra Banks is a postdoctoral university scholar at the University of Divinity. She works as an artist, theologian, writer and researcher who engages theologically with the arts and trauma theory to uncover the complex landscape of embodied memory. Alexandra's current research is centred on theological engagements with issues of radical suffering and the doctrinal and practical implications of traumatic memory within a community of faith. Standing on the tram as it trundles past Flinders Street Station, looking out at all the people as they move to the rhythms of the city, I have the sensation that I am not on the tram, but I am the tram, that weaves voicelessly through people's lives, only stopping to engage with them at designated points along my journey. As the tram, I rock in perfect harmony with the undulation of the track beneath my wheels and pause periodically to reflect on the strange parallel intimacies we experience. Those brief moments of transitory association, either on an escalator, in the lift, in the train, or when stopped at the traffic lights as we casually glance at the car next to us, which is close enough to speak to or touch. I am fascinated with these instances of silent proximities where our technology brings us together through the invisible need for closeness and yet visibly holds us apart through socially contrived patterns of behaviour. It is interesting to consider that most of life escapes our notice. Yet in these moments of intense nearness, we are conditioned to evade eye contact, to avoid connection, and as a result, maintain an abstract sense of privacy. This disconnection prevents us from entering into the wilderness of another's life or drawing any meaning from our mutual experiences. This continual play between the nearness and the thereness brings to light a strange image of interconnected social fragments where our private and personal space is experienced within a public forum like a crowded tram where we are acutely aware of each other, yet still refuse to speak. What does this silence reveal about our relationship with the Eucharist as Christians? The opening prayer at the Eucharist calls us to offer God a pledge of undivided love and likewise offer ourselves to the service of others. For as we pray to experience in ourselves the fruits of God's redemption, how do we share these gifts with others if we curate our presence through the absence of connection. This articulation of presence in absence aids in our engagement with John chapter 6, verses 51 to 58 today, and the celebration of the most holy feast of Corpus Christi. This festival honours the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. In today's Gospel, we enter the final scene in the fourth evangelist's thread of life discourse. John draws the correlation between Jesus' body and blood as the fulfilment of God's covenant, as noted in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 20. Nevertheless, 
It is the spiritual echo of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 3, that induces us to compare the wilderness experiences of Moses and the Israelites with Jesus' isolation within the crowd mentioned in chapter 6. This repetition of Deuteronomy provides the textual framework for John's fleshy Eucharistic language. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 3 states, Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. From the midst of the crowd, Jesus proclaims time and again in John chapter 6, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. In repeating the bread from heaven analogy, John pulls together the images of the Israelites being fed with manna in the wilderness and Jesus as humankind's pathway to redemption and salvation. His purpose for this strong emphasis on the wilderness and the feeding miracles is to draw Jesus into textual closeness with Moses, the law and the Israelites' experience of exile and redemption. What does John want us to take away from such a comparison? How do these seemingly opposite images of the wilderness and incomplete spaces serve to highlight the love, grace and power of God who continues to nourish and feed us through the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist? John understands that in the celebration of the Eucharist, where the invisible is made visible, the church becomes a place where the invisible is present and allows for the fragments of ourselves to be built up, fed and resurrected to serve again in a new form. In this way, John, in the Bread of Life discourse, narrates God's redemption, forgiveness and salvation in action while pointing to the fragmentation and brokenness of the crowd who questions and seeks to undermine Jesus' identity and purpose. In this analogy, John calls our attention to Jesus' suffering and death, our worship of him at the Eucharist, and the body of Christ as present in the church. This image helps us to keep in focus both the unity and the diversity of the church. John achieves this by framing Jesus as the bread of life through one of his distinctive narrative elements, the I am statements. Regarding the bread of life discourse, the I am statements reflect Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, where Moses is introduced to God with the expression, I am who I am. These I am statements, seven in all, are unique to the Gospel of John and serve to identify Jesus in terms of his truth. John repeats the I am statements throughout chapter 6 to connect Jesus with the promise that God, present throughout Israel's history, is and always will be our divine witness and salvation. At the heart of John's reinterpretation of the manna story, is an understanding of the importance of wilderness experiences in Jesus' life and the events in the life of the evangelist community, namely us and our community. John allegorically represents wilderness experiences 
throughout his gospel as generative sites of learning, wisdom, and transformation. This thinking is evident from the first verse of the gospel, where he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This motif of the Word of God becoming flesh to witness and to be witnessed underscores the ongoing and at times complex process of building a faithful relationship with Jesus and each other. While the wilderness experience can be a liminal space where we are tested and humbled, it is also a physical place where we reach for each other. How often have we seen people and communities reach out and respond to each other with love, compassion and support during natural disasters such as bushfires, floods, cyclones and even pandemics. In moments such as these, we witness God's movement between life's unspeakable realities and the creation of new manifestations of hope and purpose in what are seemingly insurmountable odds. In leading us to discern that Jesus is the saviour, shepherd and feeder, who guides, cares and gives abundant food to us, John symbolically acknowledges that we are in every generation experiencing the unfolding of a new exodus. Yet in this oscillating space of redemption, forgiveness and salvation of John chapter 6 verses 51 to 58, we are reminded of God's imminent and transcendent nature, whose divine witness is always present with us as we navigate our own exodus wilderness experience. However, as history has taught us, there is no single way to seek new hope and purpose in Christ. I contend, then leaving institutional interpretation to one side for a moment, that how we understand and engage with the infinite nearness and thereness of God's divine presence in our lives is how we view and approach the Eucharist celebration, how we view and approach each other, and ultimately how we view and accept ourselves. I believe how we prepare and bring ourselves to participate in the Eucharistic celebration draws attention to how we, made in the image of God, enter into a reciprocal relationship with God. Furthermore, the silent parallel proximities felt during worship reveal how we accept, interact and love our neighbours. Finally, during these moments of intense nearness with the Holy Trinity and the community of faith during worship, we can be drawn inward to encounter and accept ourselves without artifice and acknowledge that we are loved. But this is only half the story. At some point, we must leave the generative and nourishing space of the Eucharist and alight the tram again. But this time, when we trundle past people, we might start to see the invisible threads of kinship, unity and love that were brought together in the body and blood of the one who would stand amongst strangers and speak. You have been listening to Australian Women Preach, brought to you by WATAC, Women and the Australian Church, and The Grail in Australia. You can find out more about WATAC at watac.net.au and The Grail at grailaustralia.org.au. The music in this podcast is from the song Truth, from the album Into Silence, by songwriter, musician, theologian and teacher Danielle Ann Lynch. You can hear the full version on Spotify. Spotify.